Hello, this is Pastor Nathaniel, and you're listening to the Edda Talk for the Eddie Walk Podcast. Here you'll find messages meant to edify and encourage God's people in the maturity, purity, and unity that comes from following Christ. From devotional thoughts to sermons from our Sunday morning services, my prayer is that the time you spend listening to this podcast will help you grow closer to our Lord and also lead you to loving others like He loves us. Let's get right to it. Early to bed, early to rise, makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. Practice makes perfect. Time is money. Snitches get stitches. That's not a very nice one. When life gives you lemons, make lemonade. Here's a saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Let me give you a little background on 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. They're known as the pastoral epistles or pastoral letters. All of Paul's other letters, except his letter to Philemon, all of his other letters are written to churches. These three letters are written to two pastors, Timothy and Titus. First Timothy was written to provide this new young pastor with direction in the work of pastoral work. Particularly, the work of advising, admonishing, and disciplining. Most people like maybe one of those. But Paul knew a good pastor is going to have to do all three. Especially if the pastor cares about the other person's soul. Good advice, though, is don't beat the sheep. There's a fine balance of sharing the truth in love. Maybe help get someone on the right track. Because admit it, sometimes we all get off track. Have we got that in common? Usually it's my wife that gets me back on track. She's not here to defend herself. That's what a good wife does. They don't nag. They tell the truth in love. What's great about Paul's approach and how he approaches the guidance that he gives Timothy is how... He humbly acknowledges God's direction and how it was God who took control of his life, directed his life, gave him all the glory in what he wrote. 
Let's read together 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 to 17. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 to 17. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me faithful appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him And receive eternal life. Now. To the king eternal. Immortal. Invisible. The only God. Be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you Lord for. These words you inspired Paul to write. To Timothy. Thank you how they're not just for Timothy but how your word speaks to us today, how it's living and it's active. And it does the work you want to do in our hearts and our lives. So, Lord, may our hearts not be hard. And may we be open to you and what you want to do in and through us. I pray for me as I preach your word. May only your truth be spoken. And I pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. What do we all have in common? One thing's this. We all have a past. We have that in common with Paul. He had a past. Let me read to you verses 13 and 15. Even though I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. Then go down to verse 15. Paul says, Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world To save sinners, of whom I am the worst. Paul was a bad dude. I think I may have mentioned it from the Paul before. He was a terrorist. Not only that, he said there in verse 13, he was a blasphemer. And he tried to get other people to say bad things about God. He was a persecutor 
If others believe that Jesus was the Son of God and put their faith in Him, He would track them down and drag them to jail. He was a violent man. He even approved when Christians were killed. Think of Stephen in Acts chapter 6. Saul, who became Paul, held the cloaks of those who threw the rocks. You know why he held their cloaks, right? Because their sleeves got in the way and they couldn't throw very hard if they left their cloaks on. And they wanted to throw their rocks so hard they'd kill somebody. Paul had a past. I'm guessing you have a past. I'm guessing that because I know I have a past. Things that I did in ignorance. Things I did even when I believed. Man, Paul was a bad dude. But do you know what we have in common with Paul? We are all unworthy. We're not worthy. We're not worthy. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Praise God, Jesus came for sinners. That's what Paul said in verse 15 of 1 Timothy. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Do you know that saying is found five times in the pastoral letters of Paul, but nowhere else in the Bible? He wanted that young preacher to preach. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Jesus himself said in Mark chapter 2, verse 17, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And what does Jesus call sinners to? Repentance. Thank you, Bob. In fact, would you mind if Pastor Nathaniel started preaching a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight word message? You might get to lunch sooner. There's a chicken barbecue at the gala. It could be the same message that John the Baptist preached. In fact, Jesus preached the same message John the Baptist preached. Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is near. Jesus said in Luke chapter 5, verse 32, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Repentance is not just feeling sorry. I mean, that's a start. Repentance is a turning away from. It's a turning away from sin and to Christ. 
going his direction, following him. It's a deliberate action of turning from sin and following Jesus. I like how Paul puts it in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. He says this, Godly sorrow. See, there's some sorry there. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. Man, did you ever have someone do something really mean to you? Say they were sorry, but then know they weren't when they did the same thing again later? Doesn't feel good, does it? Seems a little dishonest, doesn't it? After Saul encountered Jesus, guess what he stopped doing? Persecuting. Well, let's let's do it in order. Blaspheming, persecuting, and being violent. He stopped doing that towards others. And please don't think, oh, I'm off the hook because I don't persecute anybody. Or blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Well, that's the, that's the sin I'm going to stay away from. That's the unpardonable sin. Or I don't act violently towards others. I didn't beat anybody up. I'm not a bully. Guess what? Sticks and stones may hurt. My, break my bones, but names will never hurt me. There's a theological uh, statement we can use for that little saying. Bullcrackers. Because names hurt, huh? And it's so sick nowadays how violent people are with their words. Oh, they'll say, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. Then they'll tell someone they're full of something. Or they'll call somebody else a name because of a particular sin. Oh, please don't tell me. I'm not violent. I'm not violent. I don't sin. And then try to murder somebody's reputation. Because that's harmful stuff. That's the stuff we are to turn from. Like Paul did. We all have a past. But do, do you know what else we all have in common? We do. We all have a future. We can all receive mercy and grace and love. Listen to Paul's words in verse 14, 1 Timothy chapter 1. Well, just a reminder, let's go to verse 13. Even though I was once a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly. Along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. 
All of that bad stuff that Paul did. But then there was grace that is greater than all that sin. Let's go back and finish reading the sentence I started from Romans chapter 3. Oftentimes we stop after all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But the best part comes next. Romans chapter 3 verse 23 to the first part of verse 25. Actually, the sentence starts in verse 22. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in His blood. And Paul called himself the worst of sinners. He did that in verse 15 of 1 Timothy. Then he followed that up with the next sentence. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. No miracle of grace speaks more convincingly of the saving power of Christ than a life utterly changed. But i got to be clear, the opposite of true. The opposite is true. Nothing will drive people away from Christianity more than someone who says they experienced the miracle than does harm without repentance. I didn't have that in my notes. I'll try. (laughs) Let me go back to the sentence I had in my notes and I'll try to get the other. That was a Holy Spirit moment. No miracle of grace speaks more convincingly of the saving power of Christ than the life utterly changed by Jesus. But the opposite is true. When someone claims they know Christ but then continue in their sin without repentance and harm others. That makes someone say, well, if that's that's Christianity, I don't want a part of that. Well, let me close with a word. A word we don't hear very often anymore. Backsliding. Because really, that's a word we used a long time ago, because that's what can happen. Because if we don't stay on the narrow way, if we don't stay close to Christ, guess where we're going to go? Farther and farther and farther from Him. And the farther we are from Him, the more or less like Him we're going to be.
And let me define that word backsliding, because back in the day, preachers used it all the time. It'd be someone who received Jesus as their Savior, started on the narrow way, but then fell back, started going their own way. Maybe it was they fell into adultery, or they fell into gambling, or they gave back into the bottle, or couldn't give up the bottle. I mean, you name it. They just went back to the sin. Jesus might say they went back to the vomit. It happens. You can probably think of someone you love that may have happened to. But that person's story doesn't end there. It doesn't have to. There's always repentance. They can turn back if they've backslidden. They can say, I'm sorry. I know I shouldn't be doing these things. Lord, forgive me. I'm coming back to you. Never, ever, ever has Jesus said, you cannot. (laughs) But some people just like to waller in their sin. Maybe it's their shame. They think, God will never forgive me. And that's a lie. And that devil's crafty. You know why he's crafty? He makes people believe that lie. Remember, he's... He shows up as an angel of light or described as an angel of light in the Bible. Pretty clever, huh? Because God is light. That devil's a tricky dude. He might even use scripture to make people think you can't come back once you've sinned so much. You tasted forgiveness. You can't have any more. That's a lie from the father of lies. The truth is God's arms are always open. He wants people to come Back to Him. But sometimes it's pride. Sometimes it's shame. Sometimes it's a hard and callous heart. Things that seem impossible to overcome. But with God, nothing is impossible. Joel chapter 2. Remember, this is before Jesus. This is Old Testament. God's people, time and again, would draw close to him and then they'd start worshiping other gods. And he kept calling them back, come back to me. He didn't want them to die far from him. And he says something about himself and his character in Joel chapter 2. I should have marked this. You can just look on the screen or listen to my Bible pages flip. Joel chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart. Maybe that's the problem. Boy, I'm getting to preach and i got to get places. Maybe that's the problem to start with. They gave just Jesus a portion of what they wanted him to have, or they took from him what they wanted, not their all. Anyway, that's another message for another day. Sorry. Joel 2.12, Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart. With fasting and weeping and mourning. Do you see the godly sorrow? 
Verse 13. Rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for He is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love, and He relents from sending calamity. And He wants those who are far off. Did you hear it? To return to Him. Alright, I'll close with this. You know David, right? We talked about David in Sunday school. A man after God's own heart. Sinned greatly. But a preacher came to him to admonish and discipline. Something tells me he may not have liked it too much. But you know what? His hard heart was cut through. And David repented. Let me read to you Psalm 51, verse 10. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence and take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Verse 14, save me from blood guilt, O God, the God who saves me, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my, my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. You, not, you do not delight in sacrifice, or I'd bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, And a broken and contrite heart. O God. That you will not despise. The praise team is going to come. But it would be spiritual malpractice for me to close in prayer. Not ask anyone listening to make a decision. So would you bow your heads with me. Lord I thank you. For your great love for us. For the salvation that's found only through faith in Jesus. For the relationship we have with you, Father, through faith in Jesus. Lord, Paul's life is an example of how you can change a heart. And change a person. If they would... Receive Jesus. I thank you, God, for how you don't force yourself into our hearts. But you desire us to receive you. So, Lord, maybe there's someone this morning who's heard the gospel message. Maybe they're hearing it for the first time and and want to say, yes, I do believe in Jesus. I know. I know this morning that I'm a sinner. And I ask you, Lord, to forgive me my sin. Come into my heart and my life. I want to follow you. There may be some who's hearing this message who've strayed or backslidden. Maybe they've just 
are afraid to come back or don't think they can, may they sense your love this morning. And Lord, may they say, God, I'm sorry. I love you. I miss you. I want to come back. Back to the narrow way. Lord, maybe you're convicting someone of something else. Maybe they need to say sorry to someone else or sorry to you. I don't know what it is, Lord. Whatever it is, may we be in tune with you, with a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, willing for you to put us back together the way you want us to be. Lord, we love you. And thank you for your grace. And we sing of that now. And I pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If this podcast is helpful to you, please rate us on iTunes or like our page, Springwater Church the Nazarene, on Facebook. Have a great day and Lord bless.